Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, your host. And if you've been with me for a while, you know I always, almost always, open with a question. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I hope you stick around. So today's question, what does a lawyer and a wireless telecom consulting company and the sport of curling have in common? It is Courtney Schmidt. Courtney Schmidt was my amazing guest, highly intelligent, multifaceted businesswoman, as well as the United States Curling Association chairwoman. And if you know me, I'm an avid curler. So this conversation takes twists and turns. You listen to an amazing journey that she has had, but also more about the sport of curling. Business and curling, it all makes sense. We live in the world of seeing how technology evolves differently across the country. And so in 2003, we started doing work in California. And in California, the need for the reception being so close to an individual, their homes inside neighborhoods, enabled us to have a level of expertise that other people across the country didn't have. And so as 5G means more antennas, more infrastructure, our opportunity to do more services on the forefront in in different parts of the country than our competitors was really critical. But it also meant that our scope and our abilities inside these customers' projects needed to change. And so we had to evolve. We had to develop, whether it was organically or acquire within, additional services so that we maintained a level of importance to our customer, but also ensuring that we had ongoing concern inside those markets. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast, where I get to speak to industry leaders and share their insight and inspiration with you. If you like this program, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And it is my honor this week to introduce to you somebody very special, Courtney Schmidt. Courtney was recruited to join SureSuite Consulting Group in 1999, a wireless telecom consultancy, as one of the first employees. And through her initiative to expand the company and grow it to cover a national territory and offering new and diverse products and services. And it is the success of expanding the business into new markets that has created a success story, which continues today. Courtney also has a Juris Doctorate degree from Cleveland State University, from the Cleveland Marshall College of Law, and a BA in Economics from Wittenberg University, and she is a member of the Ohio Bar Association. And also, she is very special to me because she is currently the chair of the USA Curling Association Board. So we are going to be talking about curling on this show. Courtney, it is a pleasure to welcome you onto the show. Thanks, Deb. Nice to see you. Yeah, so for my listeners, Courtney's a special person. And this is going to be a special interview because this is the first time I have brought somebody who is not only accomplished in business and leadership, but also a fellow curler. And if you know me, I'm an avid curler. I've been curling for 12 years. I actually have a silver 
silver medal in arena curling nationals. And Courtney is also a very accomplished curler and holds a strategic position in the United States Curling Association. So I'm grateful for your time. But for our listeners, maybe just share a little bit about yourself personally, your career journey, and the work that you're doing now. Yeah, well, like you mentioned, I've been with SureSight since day one, and it's really been an an evolution of technology. You know, as we engage in the world of wireless, wireless technology has evolved, and so has the company. So I've had the opportunity to really work outside of my home market, expanded across the country, and have really been working nationally, supporting our operations and our strategic plan really for the last 15 years. And as you mentioned, my other world is 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 on the curling side. And so about, I guess, six or seven years ago, I started on the board of USA Curling and that evolved into a leadership position as vice chair in 2016. And then I took over the chair position in 2018. So I have about a year left. And so we've, we've had quite a journey over that time. And so it's been great to have the opportunity to uh, to lead the organization through a lot of changes. So I'm curious, is it like another full-time job on top of your <laughs> consulting job? Well, as I look for a uh, replacement and and uh, I would say no, but it is what you want it to be, right? It's, it's where you come into the organization and what the organization needs. And so at the time when I came in as chair, we had just won our first Olympic gold medal in the Pyeongchang 2018 Olympics, which caused for great excitement across the United States of people realizing what curling actually was. And that brought forth a lot of opportunities, both for the organization, but also for curling clubs across the country, including yours in Cincinnati. And so it's been a great opportunity to be able to watch that growth occur and engage with members across the country. And I think as we have evolved as a national organization, it's important that we continue to look for opportunities and continue to think strategically in terms of what that growth looks like on a go-forward basis. So thank you for all of that. And I can go in so many directions. For those of you who may not know a lot about curling, we'll go just a little bit into that. But it was one of those things when the U.S. men's team won gold in curling. It's one of those things where you say, where were you when that thing (laughs) happened? And I sincerely remember I was actually curling at an event in Detroit, Michigan. And I remember that it it happened maybe between one and two in the morning and people were actually watching it and cheering when we finally won the gold. It was a huge milestone and a long journey for men's and women's curling to be able to finally show up on the global landscape and actually win gold. Yeah, it was really an amazing experience and certainly one that, like you said, everybody's it's a remember when and where were you type of circumstance. And we were actually engaged in a bond spill here in, in Cleveland. And so we had a couple people staying with us. And so it was a super fun in the middle of the night party, I guess. Then comes the work, right? And the need to make sure that the organization is set and ready for for future successes. So we're going to spend a little bit time in curling, but I would love to just come back to you and your journey. So you have a law degree. How did that transition into working in a consultancy in the wireless telecom industry? I was really interested in a transaction type engagement right on my exit of law school and taking the bar. I had worked in a law firm all throughout law school, probably saw most of the corporate law pieces that I really wanted to see inside of a law firm. So I was interested in seeing what opportunities existed in business from a transaction perspective. And so this was an industry that was pulling a lot of experienced and straight out of law school inexperienced attorneys to it. It really engaged me from the get-go because I had the ability to work with a lot of different types of 
of individuals, engineers, architects, real estate professionals, jurisdictions, cities, planning departments. And so that's what really captured my interest from the beginning and just building something. You know, we were building out a wireless network in Cleveland, Ohio and, and the greater Cleveland area. And I thought, okay, you know, this is, this is going to be interesting. And the challenges around building something fit my interests and my background very well. And I thought, well, we can build this for a couple of years, then I'll move on to something else. But as technology has evolved around wireless networks, so is the business. And so I really enjoyed the opportunity to see how we as an organization strategically fit into wireless networks and technology. And certainly it's a never ending transition. And we all hear about 5G these days. That's been big business for us for the last couple of years and will continue to be until we start hearing about 6G. And so the evolution of the technology really requires us to evolve as an organization really about every every seven to eight years to make sure that we are ready to support our customers, whether it's the wireless carrier or the OEM on a go forward basis. Being in business for yourself with colleagues and your own consultancy and technology can be rather risky. I'm curious if there was anything along the way that something happened. You hit a crisis. Maybe it was a regulation. Maybe it was a downturn in the business. And what was it that you guys were able to bounce back or evolve because you've been in business for quite some time? I think the biggest example of that is probably in the last six, seven years, you know, we we live in the world of seeing how technology evolves differently across the country. And so in 2003, we started doing work in California. And in California, the need for the reception being so close to an individual, their homes inside neighborhoods, enabled us to have a level of expertise that other people across the country didn't have. And so as 5G means more antennas, more infrastructure, our opportunity to do more services on the forefront in in different parts of the country than our competitors was really critical. But it also meant that our scope and our abilities inside these customers' projects needed to change. And so we had to evolve. We had to develop, whether it was organically or acquire within, additional services so that we maintained a level of importance to our customer, but also ensuring that we had ongoing concern inside those markets. And so it was really developing and ensuring that we had the ability to continue to support our customers that led us to needing to grow future services and to build out, and we really did it organically, to build out new teams of people and to ensure that they were appropriately trained and set to support our customers. You know, one of the things that I find so interesting, and I've been in my own consulting business for about three years, though people say, Deb, it sounds like you've been in it for seven, eight or 10, 12 years, because I think I was probably an entrepreneur or thinking creatively while I was still in a corporate environment. And one of the things I'm seeing is that you can have a plan. This is going to be my industry. Everybody says, niche down, who's your target market, your avatar, et cetera. But I am seeing, yes, have a plan, but be ready to evolve, be agile, learn new things, add more people to your network because your customers are going to be asking for more and more things. And it may be the customers define what you do in the future in terms of your business versus the grand plan that you have. So it's great that you've been able to evolve and grow as the clients do as well. And I would just like to know, you're so put together, you're so confident, it can't all be glorious. So what are some leadership lessons that you've had along the way, whether they were great success stories? And we should talk about successes, you know, if it was a challenging time and how were you able to help either the team or the client through it? Or if it was a negative experience, what did we grow from it? I'm curious. I think one of the things that I always tell our customers and for us in our industry, 
our customer base is very small. So there's only so many wireless carriers. Sprint just got eaten up by T-Mobile. Dish is a new entrant, but really there's four customers. And then off of that, there's infrastructure owners, tower owners, and OEM. So our typical year, we probably have three really big customers and eight that would round out the rest of our balance sheet for the year. And I think the one thing that we have to constantly look at and that we talk about is our ability to maintain a high level of customer service, our ability to make sure that we are committed to our customer is important. And we have to continue to make sure that our employees understand that. But I will always communicate to the customer to say things are going to go wrong. We're going to have issues, but it's how we pull ourselves out of that. And how do we put a plan together? And how are we proactive? Back to you know consultancy, it's a big part of we're going to bring the plan to you. We're not going to sit back and wait for the plan. And I think no matter what part of industry you're in, that's critically important. And educating our employees on that is a day-to-day task and making sure that our leadership teams are pushing that down to the local teams on the field is really important for our success. You know, one of the points that I hear coming from you is the ability to, you have strong partnerships. There's not a lot of players. They know you, they trust you. And even setting the expectation, not for failure, but knowing that this is evolving. We're learning as we go, as we deploy different services or technology. Customers respect that because even if there's an oops, they trust you and they remember how you had their back and being able to get them back on track. That's really what they're engaging with you for is that trust. We're going to figure this out together. So absolutely. I actually had a client one time. He asked me to do something that I'd never done before. And as a, a consultant, you don't want to say, oh, I, that's, I can't do that. No, you say, of course, I'll do that. And I just said, but you know, I, I'm going to have to reach out to some resources just to figure it out. And he says, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out together. That's right. And that brings opportunity too. You know, that's figuring it out along the way and making sure that that you are being open and honest with your customer that, hey, we're going to figure this out with you, just brings opportunity for the future. Yep. Transparency is the new superpower these days. So, you know, I can't hold back anymore. I want to move over to curling. So (laughs) so tell me, you know, as your role right now as the chairwoman, the chairperson of the USCA, I mean, what is that role? What is your charter? We are a part of the Olympic movement, USA Curling, and we are the national governing body of curling. And so as chairs, we're responsible to ensure that that the organizations are placed well with our stakeholders. And just about every national governing body, including curling across the country, has multiple stakeholders, whether it's the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, our members our international federations, but it's really ensuring that we have a solid representation and solid leadership to ensure that staff and our number one employee is our CEO is in line with strategic plan and in line with the focus on ensuring that our stakeholders are pleased and that we are servicing them as well as ensuring that we're thinking about the future. And so for us, curling, like I said, was really moving towards growth prior to the last Olympics. But we also, as a board, over the last eight, nine years, have evolved from an operational board to what we typically call a policy board. So we aren't volunteers servicing the organization anymore. We are ensuring that that the policy and good governance are in place. And so the big thing for me is making sure, as being an organization person, that we're set up organizationally for for future success. It's not just what do we need for you know tomorrow or next year. It's how do we make sure that we're set up as an organization for the future. And so some of 
of that has involved the evolution of our board size, the evolution of our documentation that governs us. They aren't exciting things, but they are absolutely necessary to make sure that we're set and ready to go for the future. And I think the other thing, Jeff Plush is is our CEO of USA Curling, and he came on board about six weeks prior to the pandemic. And so Mm. the last time I saw him was somewhere around the first week of March. I finally just saw him about a month ago. And so learning curling and learning a new organization in the in, in the world of of the pandemic has been difficult but i think out of that comes opportunity and and new eyes fresh eyes onto the organization at that time seems daunting but he's a resilient guy and he's seen the organization through some tough times and obviously looking forward to new beginnings so it's been an interesting year really looking forward to what's to come especially as we roll into an olympic year in 2022 so where this aligns so much with my brand, again, the show is called The Drop-In CEO, but it's that person, whether it's in title or in role, to be able to drop into an organization and see what's needed. And yes, from, I don't know, I'm the practitioner, I'm the curler, it's like, oh, we want more events or bond spiels or why did they do this or why did they do that? But it's helpful to know that somebody is at the helm getting the right foundation in place. I write a book, The CEO's Compass, and I talk about eight compass points and some of the things that you talk about, just getting the right policy in place. I talk about the compass point of process and having the right people on board aligned to certain tactical things. That's performance. And then just having the right purpose to get us to true north for the future. It may not be now, but set us up for the next Olympic cycle and the next boom. Grateful that you're in that role. Any struggles in that role now? Again, obviously getting the new CEO on board, but actually let's not talk about struggles. What are some of the strategic elements that we can look forward to in the area of curling? So, you know, one of the things that we're looking at right now is back to not the exciting things, but also really important is just finalizing that structure. I mean, that's the number one thing. I've been in this role since April of 2018. I am rolling out of this role in 2022. And it's really important that we kind of taken two steps. We have one more to go. And so getting that done is critically important and may not be flashy and exciting, but it is something that's critically important. And then I think the next thing is also the evolution of how we engage with with our membership and how that ties in with our other stakeholders like USOPC, like the International Federation is critically important. And, and I think that's really what you'll see next in regards to opportunities coming to the table that are opportunities for the national organization, but that also sets the club the region up for success as well. And the third thing is, it's really important that we continue to build out our base and our base, not just being what we, a lot of us talk about is grassroots curling, but it's critically important that we continue to grasp and take hold of our junior programs that are growing exponentially at the club level and expanding upon that. And it's the experience of the curler as an individual, as a, as a young athlete, that have so many other exciting things going on in their lives. To get to ice on time is is always hard, but also making sure that from a coaching perspective that there's programs and that we continue to train and evolve our coaching programs for our junior programming. And then also just making sure that there's additional support for those clubs that have those junior programs. So, Courtney, tell me what are some exciting events that are happening in the Olympic area these days? 
So we have just finished Men's Worlds, and uh, we were really excited about our place, and we captured our Olympic placement for 2022. We have Women's Worlds coming up and starting tomorrow in Calgary bubble, and then we have our own bubble starting in May for our Men's, Women's, and Mixed Double National Championship in Wausau, Wisconsin. And then in the fall, we start with a number of events around our Olympic trials, and so Really excited about that. We're going to be in Omaha in November. And then we, on the Paralympic side, we just won gold in, in the uh, World Bees, which gives them the ability to get back to Worlds in October. So I know that they are just thrilled and we are thrilled as well for their success. And then right around the corner are the Olympics beginning of February. So we have less than a year and a lot of, a lot of events at the national and the world level that are about to, about to take off. So. It's, it's a really exciting time. So I certainly want to thank you for your leadership as well as all of the work that everybody is doing at that level. And I will tell you from a practitioner level, from a curling level, expanding the role of the junior programs. Oh my, that is actually one of the fastest growing programs in our curling club. My daughter, Sarah, when we were in the GNCC at a Plainfield Curling Club, she was a little rocker. And so she would go into New England and just jump on a team and curl. And she is an amazing curler, but life got in the way. She's in college right now, but I sincerely hope, and it is one of those sports that you can pick up at any time in your lifetime. And just another quick story. I will tell you that the organization has made me feel like a respected athlete because sometimes people joke about curling like, oh, you throw stones, you do the ones with the brooms, etc. You know, are you really an athlete to be able to play that? And when I went to these events and at closing ceremonies, the pomp and circumstance and the respect that they give us, even if we're not at the Olympic level, they give us that experience as if we're champions. So it's been a really great experience for everybody, regardless of what level of competition that you're at. Absolutely. I think the other exciting thing on the junior side is you walk into a curling club now for juniors and you don't know the parents. The parents aren't curlers. And so that is the exciting thing that I see happening is that the kids are finding it and they want to come and curl. And I think that is where it's a huge launch point for the organization and for clubs across the country. And so making sure that the national organization is giving tools to make sure that they do have the ability to bring kids into programs is really critically important as well. That is an amazing thing. I really think that is for so often the kids still in diapers running around the uh-huh. curling club was their exposure to curling. Well, mom and dad did it for so many years. So I just kind of naturally went through it. Sourcing youth not through that typical means through referrals is the way to grow the sport, build it. And if nothing else, it's just another outlet for socialization, building a network. And that's how we arrived here today. That's right. When you leave your role, what's next for you in the curling leadership space? You know, I don't know. My daughter calls it my second job. And so I think I think I owe it to my family for a little bit of time off. But I do think, you know, there's a place for past chairs to provide some just guidance and leadership. I certainly rely on the past chair prior to me. And, and one of the things that we are working to expand upon is just an additional support structure from a revenue side of things for the national organization. So we are working to start a foundation. And so that is something that I'm working on and working on making sure that that's in place prior to my exit. And so that might be a place where I find myself settled down in, in the next year or so. There's lots of new new opportunities that maybe we aren't thinking about right now that, that I, I look forward to continue to, to engage with the organization. I've shared a few stories myself about curling and how it is so close to business. 
I've actually formed a team that I didn't know any of the curlers, but I wanted to curl in my final five and under competition. And nobody from my original club was able to curl with me. But bringing people together from different walks of life and trying to understand their skills and put together a team in a short amount of time to get a particular outcome is so similar to business. And I'm wondering if you have any stories or from your experiences being a curler that tie together lessons learned of business and curling. You know, I think the biggest thing is you had mentioned earlier about teams and it it really boils down to trust and and it's no different in business, right, of managing people and creating teams and they have to be based on trust and ensuring that when you're going through times of change, making sure that you're transparent, that you're visible as to what the plan is and ensuring that there's people at all different levels of the organization in regards to, you know, being there for 20, 30 years of their life has been in the world of curling and those that are that are new to it. And I new to it, I think we're going to continue to see more people come into the sport of curling as a result of the pandemic. But those that are engaged at curling in non-traditional parts in the country, but also arena curlers, their experience in the sport is so significantly different than coming into an already established club that has a base. Making sure that that you're hearing all sides of it and what the needs are is critically important. And then making sure that there's just simply trust in that team, that there's open communication. People are, are realizing that there's history and we need to honor the history, but we also need to make sure that we're ready for new members and we're ready for new opportunities to come through the door. And I think that's the biggest challenge as we transition from really a a niche sport into something that everybody knows about. And I cannot wait for everybody to know about the sport of curling, as well as checking out some of your work in case they need some of your services. So as we kind of bring this to a close, how could people get a hold of you on the business side, as well as maybe the curling side if they want to learn more? Yeah, sure. You know, I'm I'm happy to uh, talk to anybody, whether you're a member or not a member of USA Curling. It's it's an exciting thing to talk about. So I'm always available at my email address for USA Curling, which is Courtney.Schmidt at USACurling.org. And on the business side, as we continue to evolve wireless networks, it doesn't just mean that it's it's a need for the carriers. It's also a need for building owners and for infrastructure owners for cities. And so c.schmidt at sure-site.com is where anybody can reach out to me and check in. You've been an amazing guest. I wish you continued success in your business. I'm grateful for the work and all the others that do for curling. I sincerely appreciate it because I get to curl in an amazing organization. I wish you continued success there. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Pleasure being with you. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. For more information about our consulting or coaching services, please visit my website at dropinceo.com or visit our Drop-In CEO Facebook group to continue the conversation. Now go out, lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.